tech, tech check. check. Tech check. Tech check. I think that's it. Great. Good can to you go. Give us, can you give us some music? Testing. One, two, three. Testing. You oh, yeah. That, you ever see that Robin, Robin Williams movie where he's warming up before he goes on air? Good morning, Vietnam. Oh, I love that movie. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. So it's an old movie. I mean, I, I haven't. What is it? Twenty years ago now? Oof. I mean, it's probably thirty. At I least. didn't know. I didn't know you were that old. <laughs> I'm an old soul. <laughs> Speaking of old. Oh wait. Somebody had a birthday recently. Uh, no, you're wrong on that. <laughs> it's yet to come. Okay. And I'm not divulging any details. Of whose birthday it is and oh, which numbers um, are associated with that exactly. birthday. Exactly. Uh, you're going to have to guess, but let me just say this. Somebody at McDonald's this week asked me how old I was. I told them. They said, you've got to be kidding me. Wow. They were amazed. Amazing. They thought I was at least 10 years younger than I actually am, which makes me 32. Ladies and gentlemen, we're moving on. It's Theology on Mission podcast, and here we are the first week of post-Easter. We're sorry we never had a podcast on Easter, but we were all so busy doing the work of the church that we couldn't get to it. You're right. So here we are, Uh, and the topic of today is... By the way, I like the fact that you're hanging the music a little longer. I, know you, I, know. I love that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the topic for today is, uh, in light of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and started new creation on Easter Sunday, which is the first day of the week, should not the church also meet on the first day of the week? And ironically... Mike Moore, I was out there. You know, for Mm -hmm. those of you who don't know, we're at Northern Seminary. This is Theology on Mission podcast. It's me and Moore sitting in a studio that Holesclaw built out of nothing. And it's in the basement in the library. And I was at the front desk and I said, what do you think? Is it... Is it true that the church should only worship on Sunday morning, the day Jesus rose from the dead? Both people working at the front desk at Northern Seminary said, no, we can worship anytime in spirit and in truth and that's probably representative of of most people of the average person out there mainly because starting somewhere in the late 70s early 80s uh we went to multiple church services many churches by i'd say the 90s were having a saturday evening Mm -hmm. service this is protestants you were talking to me earlier how yep. Roman Catholics often have a Saturday evening mass, but I've heard pastors say, hey, we can worship anytime. We've moved our church service to Tuesday night because yeah. everybody in our church finds it easier to get to church on Tuesday night. Right. What could possibly be wrong with that? Or the midweeks. The midweek service was really big here in Chicagoland in the late 90s, early 2000s. A lot oh, yeah. of churches had the midweek <clears throat> service. Right, so... Uh, Willow Creek, mm-hmm. uh, the famous Willow Creek, uh, 
for years had uh, the Wednesday night midweek service be the service they considered for Christians, right. and Sunday mornings right. being the, the seeker. seeker service for those who are still seeking. And the interesting thing about that was they only did the Eucharist, or what they called communion, on that on the first Wednesday night of every month. Huh. <clears throat> and so here we are. Uh, does it make any difference when we meet? What's your opinion? Yes. Makes all the difference. I think you're saying that because you know where we're going with this Yeah, podcast. whoops, I kind of jumped the gun there. Yeah, could I you? don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say the average pastor or the average Northern Seminary student or the average person that works in a library in a seminary would say? Well, the average Northern Seminary student is much different than your average pastor. Um by the way, sorry for the noise effects. That's okay. I, yeah. I got my tea. In we it. haven't been in here in a couple of weeks. We've been yeah. on the road. Um, I would say I would say the typical church would say, whatever is going to be most convenient and most efficient, or the most economical, or the most convenient. Well, you already said the the magic word mm-hmm. convenient. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we uh, basically conduct our church gathering to be? so that the most people can come. Yes. So there's some legitimacy to that, don't yeah. you think? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, think that's Don't you think we fine. should be concerned? I think we should absolutely be concerned that we want to make ourselves um, available to people, but um, I don't think we want to construct a worship around every whim of culture. And, of course, the opposite of this is uh, the consumer. Are we turning church into a consumer item uh so why shouldn't we uh, make it so the most people can consume so anyways this is the question for today folks uh should your church uh only meet on the first day of the week uh by the way we we're talking earlier about how some people meet on saturday evenings after dusk or wait dark mm-hmm. um well after the sun has gone down and for of course the jewish calendar that means we are on essentially Sunday right. and the first day of the week. So um, I want to riff off of a couple of books here. One is Alexander Schmemann. Schmemann. Are you making fun of his name? I just think it's a fun name to say. Schmemann. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if you're saying it correctly, if you're saying it. Oh, I highly doubt I'm saying it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't th- I don't know Not if most only. listeners are going to be familiar with with him, you want to give us a little... Well, Alexander Schmemann is probably one of the most famous, at least in the West. He's probably one of the most famous Eastern Orthodox theologians. Mm-hmm. And uh, that means he's from the Eastern part of the world. He's most often Greek and Greek Orthodox. And the Greek Orthodox Church is a different church than the Catholic Church or the Protestant, various Protestant and or Anabaptist expressions of the faith. And um, so... Uh, he, he definitely, I mean, I can't go into Eastern Orthodoxy to right. the extent, but I just want to say to everybody out there, For the Life of the World is probably mm-hmm. his most famous book, and it's a book that everybody should read because it challenges us in so many ways to think about how we think about liturgy, how we think about time, mm. um, and how we think about what we do on Sunday morning or when we eat. And uh, so For the Life of the World, Sacraments and Orthodoxy is a highly recommended book it's i got it's got to be 30 years old now i'm also riffing off of ancient future time from robert weber yes um uh, a man who taught here at northern seminary uh, until death Mm -hmm. and he um 
he was revered around here. He actually brought me to Northern Seminary. Yeah, okay. big influence. And then uh, there's also Oscar Kuhlmann, the uh, the uh, French German uh, New Testament scholar. Mm-hmm. Post World War II, he wrote Christ in Time. So let's see if we can't take on this subject. Yeah. Um, um, should does does when we meet uh, to gather around the table as a church matter? So first first comment here. Um, Shmeiman, this is chapter three of For the Life of the World. Um, according to Shmeiman, time has been flattened in modernity. Humans alone are aware of time, but somehow it has become flattened. All time is the same. It is like a quantity um, to be used uh, to maximize, to be maximized. And by itself, um, time is nothing. In fact, I'll quote, it's, he says, by itself, time is nothing but a line of telegraph poles strung into the distance, and at some point along the way is our death. That's so morbid. Well, uh, <laughs> he says telegraph poles. I'd say telephone poles because we still have those today, although if things keep going the way they're going, we're not going to have telephone poles either. But you can just see how <laughs> we just keep uh, traveling one pole after another. It's like that screensaver. Remember that screensaver from the 90s where you're just traveling through space and the stars are going by you? I think I do. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyhow, and, and time so is meaningless. Time is flattened. It's all the same. It's a, a scarcity. It's a commodity that we must use. Hmm. And and so uh, it doesn't really matter where we put the Sunday gathering or the Eucharist, wherever it is the most efficient, economical, mm-hmm. and fits what people do. Let's get it fit in there. Yeah. Do you have any, you know, I don't know. Any examples? Any examples <clears throat> of uh, how when you were talking about, well, when should we do Sunday morning? Should we do it at 9 a.m. or 10, 15 a.m. or 11 p.m.? Yes, yes. Do you? Yeah. Well, you, I'm thinking through stories. I'm thinking through conversations I had planting churches when we were like, do you, if we do it, if we go at 1030, then we could get done in time for a meal. You know, if we go to 11, though, it runs into people's meal time, and the Bears play a lot uh, early on Sunday, right? So, like, a, yeah. adjusting the yeah. time. Yeah, that's a good one. That's we got to get church out before NFL or, football or starts. I was, I was on staff at a church that will go unnamed. We would set it up so afterwards the sanctuary could play the game. Dude. And people would wear their jerseys. To dude, church. Oh, dude. Okay. Well, anyhow, this, anyhow. So th- those no. are examples. Yeah, and I think those are pretty extreme examples. No, but um, I do think that uh, as we are trying to um, create times, I think actually Willow Creek is a good example of this in the early days. Why did they have seeker services on Sunday? Because the dormant. Christians, ex-Christians, former Christians, ones who went to Sunday school, they were used to thinking about going to church on Sunday mornings. That's the best time to have seeker service. Let's move the service for Christians to Wednesday night, which meant the Eucharist. Right. And so really, uh, uh, this goes against what Shmeiman's trying to teach us, that the Eucharist is the beginning of a new world. And it is... uh, we can we preside or we do the Eucharist, the Lord's table. We eat together as a as a representation, a rehearsal, mm-hmm. a reliving, a being present all over again to the resurrected Christ's living and being present among us. 
And actually, that is in time. It is not just an internal, personal, spiritualized experience. Actually, this is something. Can I give you an example? Yes, please. So this got a lot of traction on Twitter a few months ago. There's um, a pastor named, excuse me. Uh, named Judah Smith. Could you press the button when you got a cough? Do yeah, you have a yeah, cough yeah, button? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got the cough button. There it is. Um, there's a pastor named Judah Smith. I don't know him, but he is starting this church and it's called churchhome.org. Have you heard about this? If it's one of the virtual churches, I think I've heard so, about some of them. Yeah. So, so this is the idea. It's kind of a virtual church, but I'm just going to read to you what it's about because I think it goes to this um, point that um, Shmeiman makes. Um, page 48. You had to, you had to, uh, I had a pause. pause it was weird. To, it was weird. It's on. It was, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're using Luke 15 as the image of home and they write home is not so much a brick and mortar an actual space or place or room. Home is a place and posture. Our soul discovers in Jesus where the created returns to a loving relationship with the creator. So home is not brick and mortar in actual space. It's a place and posture of our soul. Okay, this gets right to the Shmeiman's main point. That's why I set you up. He says, quote, Christians are tempted to reject time altogether and replace it with mysticism and spirituality. Mm-hmm. To live as Christians is to live out of time, to insist that time has no real meaning from the point of view of the kingdom. And so in the modern world, you know, we turn inward, spirituality between me and God, and we can go we can go to church whenever we want. We don't even now have to go to church. We can just plug in. Yep. Come on. Yeah, that's phoning it in. Okay, so folks, I mean... Mike Moore, you just hit a home run here with getting me all excited off of that. Now, <laughs> the I, but the idea, folks, of the incarnation is that God has entered into time, mm. into our world, into all the things going on around us. That the minute we step out of the gathering on Sunday morning, we're stepping into the world, and the world has now been reshaped by God's time and what he's doing, even if the world doesn't know it yet. Hmm. And so to go internal and online, okay, so can I just challenge all the pastors, leaders, elders, everybody that goes to church, please resist whatever the name of this church was. Don't say it again, because I don't want people looking it up, number one. Right. And then and then number two, t- telling them that you said this on the air and we're going to get hate <laughs> mail. So, um, yeah, so the idea here is, for Shmeiman, I'm, I'm going to quote some Shmeiman here. Mm-hmm. He says, Did Christ, the Son of God, rise from the dead on the first day of the week? Did he send his spirit on the day of Pentecost. In other words, real time and right. places. Right. Did he enter time only that we might just symbolize it um, and like make it into something we believe in internally? Or is it some reality that God has birthed in the world, in history, in real time? How do you respond to that? I think I, I have s- a. I think the fact that you were speechless there for about 
10 seconds? <laughs> I have either uh, A, you didn't have, understand a word I said, or B, uh, I understood you it. were stunned. Stunned. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think how to push back uh, or how to foil what you're saying um, by giving you a, another example. Yeah, so you it's always good to try to be balanced on a podcast. Okay, so something I've noticed from um, attending a variety of churches around Chicago is that most churches, and, and this is outside of our maybe our scope of, of what we know, but m- most churches that I go to that are primarily African-American, they Facebook Live the service. Like, yes. Um and there were a few students here in our MATM uh, program, and we were talking about this in our in our cohort, how they have like two or three times as many people Facebook living um, into the service. Uh, than actually they're than present. actually yeah in in the present. So I, I I'm actually coming at this more as a just wondering why is that happening, and then what does that mean for discipleship. Um, oh yeah well this is such a good question and uh thanks for giving me any warning on this one Uh, you just come (laughs) up with this no well i've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks now i mean yeah (laughs) i mean uh i i personally have a problem with this right well yes so do i but i think there's something there because right now we're pressing time space embodiment incarnation but it seems like there are some cultural expressions of church where Maybe it's harder to be embodied, maybe because of the lack of transportation or um, access. I don't know. All I, right, so can I? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm just, I want to get to the rest of the podcast. But oh, I sorry. Wanna... I, I think this fits into it. Oh, yes, it definitely fits into it. I, I'm sorry. Do you think I was like getting on you for breaking up the podcast? <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, I'm, I, I do want to. I want to say that some things, there are some things some i might even say there are some small things that can be accomplished via facebook live Mm -hmm. or the internet in connecting us as people but and this is where people are going to maybe get a little upset with me and i'm i'm okay i'm okay with that but i think the real work of god by the power of the holy spirit is in face-to-face encounter and, and granted, sometimes that face-to-face encounter is a thousand people sitting in a place mm-hmm. encountering uh, uh, a person preaching or other giftingness going on. Uh, but but th- I, I believe that's something different. I believe when okay. I am present preaching in a congregation, that is so different than when I'm live on a Zoom call or when I'm live on mm-hmm. on a massive distribution of a webinar or something. Now, some things can be accomplished. Yep, yep. But can the fullness of the redeeming power of the work of the Holy Spirit, I believe that's a face-to-face. And you're really focusing on the Eucharist here in this conversation. I'm focusing on the Eucharist. Have you ever been anointed with oil for the healing of your body mm-hmm. uh, via the Internet? N- no. I've also it, never had the Eucharist via the internet. <laughs> and and so uh, there are some things. Right. And I would argue that less and less things can be done well on the internet. And right. by the way, this doesn't deny that there is a lot of performance and distancing between pastor and other things going on in the presence of a room of a lot, a lot of large, 
a large group of people. That that doesn't mean there aren't those problems there too. Right. right. But what can be accomplished face to face is is the full encounter with the presence of the living God. So in a specific space and time. Yes. And so. Uh, contrary to what you just read off your phone from that internet mm-hmm. site church, I want to suggest that that, that defies the incarnation. Gotcha. Now, folks, if you want to put some comments at the bottom of whatever the pages that mm-hmm. we use to put this podcast, we I, I will respond, and this is a conversation to be had, and it's an important one. But for now, I want to stick to my, my singular point that the idea of the incarnation is that God entered time, entered space, entered history, and we must actually, that's the way we got to encounter God too. So, so now let's uh, go to Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sunday, as opposed to Saturday, Sunday became the fixed day, the first day after the Sabbath, when Constantine legislated Sunday to be the first day when Jesus rose. And he legislated it, legislated it as the compulsory day the weekly Sabbath after that, uh, it was called the Lord's Day. Um, The Lord's Day, the symbol of the Lord, or not the symbol, the meaning of the Lord's Day is that the Lord has begun a new thing. He is now Lord over the world, and he is creating this new thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the significance of the Lord's Day, the day the Lord rose and began the new era, has slowly been forgotten over time in Christendom as we forgot the meaning of why we gather on the first day of the week and not Saturday, like right. as the, uh, the Sabbath was for, for the Jews. So mm-hmm. anyways, uh, again, uh, Shmeiman says if Christianity were purely spiritual, there would be no need for a fixed day, for a day into which we remember that this was the day, the Lord's day, the day the world changed, the day the new creation began. Because, you know, again, for personal spiritual experience, he says, has no interest in time. I can do it whenever I want. Mm -hmm. So um, now let me just, can I just riff a little bit more on this idea? Yeah, keep riffing. I'm going off of Shmeiman chapter 3 and for the life of the world. He says um, that, that for, so for instance, John 20, verse 19, says he rose on the first day. And then they gathered again. He met John 20, 26, after eight days. Ironically, uh, like the RSV translate that the next week, he translates it the next week. Mm-hmm. But, but Shmeiman argues the eighth day. Uh, carries significance in terms of the transformation of time the eighth day in in folks hang with me i don't i don't want to bore you but this is important the eighth day in late jewish apocalyptic writings uh there was a new day which would come which would be birthed after the seven days uh it was called the eighth day because it was beyond the struggles the pains the limitations of the seven days Mm -hmm. And so the seven days was the time of this world. And then the next day or the first day began new time, the new world. And he's Shmeiman saying, this is what Sunday is. It's the beginning of the new time, the new era. Yeah. We begin the new creation. He says, on the one hand, Sunday remained one of the days, the first day of the week, fully belonging to the world. On the other hand, on the other hand, on that day, through the Eucharist, the day of the Lord was revealed 
The end of this old world happens and the beginning of the new. So in essence, we now get the sense that on meeting on the first day of the week, the eighth day, we are now, he calls it the movement from Mount Tabor into the world. Hmm. We've begun the remaking of the world. And so every hour, every now we're sent out into the world and we now live time in a new sense where there's a gravity to every hour we live. There's a sense that God's at work in and through all time to bring it to a completion in the eschaton, the new heavens and the new earth. And so I'm, I don't know about you, but this to me, this Shmeiman piece tells me that we need to think about how we send people out into the world, mm -hmm. that this is the beginning. This can be a place for the remaking of how we think about time, live in time, how we, it's our spiritual formation into right. a new way of time. Right. And, 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 and so I'll close with this, uh, my, my little speech off Shmeiman. It seems like we're living in a world where everybody's crazy. Everybody's running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Everybody's got their kids in 50 different programs. Uh, everybody's saying, hey, I've got to fit church in for an hour and a half. Right. But can you please keep the sermon to uh, 15 minutes? And, and, and God has become something which fits into this kind of frenzied, flat time. Yeah, commodity. Shmeiman's calling us to reorient time on Sunday morning to call us to live and put all things under the Lord's day, the Lord's uh, Lordship of Christ, his view of time. And doesn't that slow things down mm -hmm. and help us to live out of the gravity of what God's doing all around us and in the world? Yeah. I like this idea of reconstituting our time based on God's time. Yeah. I feel like, um, Sunday morning should be a reorientation. Every Sunday morning should be a reorientation of my life into God's time, of my life into what he's doing, uh, of even, uh, even, you know, I'm a hockey coach, okay? Mm -hmm. So even that comes under the Lordship of Christ and his time. I'm not frenzied, crazed, thinking, oh, I've got to make my son into a hockey player uh, in yeah. HL, uh, so that he can go, uh, defeat the penguins. Okay. I'm not thinking <laughs> that. No, actually this is all part of what God's doing in the world. Redeem the yeah, world. Yeah. Can I give two suggestions? Add for so, churches. So, so yeah, we need, so, so the big question is for, for most pastors out there, for most leaders, for most elders is, well, what does this mean for me? And how do I get our church because I'd love it if people thought Sunday morning was the start of everything for mm -hmm. the rest of the week instead of something that we fit in to right. what our lives have become. Right. Have you got some suggestions as to how we go about this? Two things I think of. Um, the first one would be um, churches that practice and observe uh, the, the seasons, the liturgical calendar. I think that's important because, one, I think it sets your church in God's time or it, it recognizes God's timing in the narrative that we see through scripture. So if I can juxtapose two things, instead of just focusing on mother's day, father's day, M Memorial day, July 4th in your church to recognize advent, Lent, 
ordinary time. You forgot epiphany. Epi- epiphany. No. Um, holy, everything that is included in Holy Week. So j- just a way of recognizing, hey, we as a church have a way of marking God's time in worship and beyond worship uh, or beyond Sunday worship. Like there are resources here for the church across the world to mark God's time. Exactly. And and I, I mentioned earlier, Robert Weber's ancient future time. And I think that's what he was trying to do in that book is help mm-hmm. people th- rethink how we organize church yeah. so that people are inducted into God's movement in the world through time. By the way, uh, the Advent schedule, the first Sunday of Advent, is always the second coming. We've lost mm-hmm. the wherewithal to orient our lives towards where God's taking this right. world. And the second coming has kind of become a lost uh, mm-hmm. doctrine of the faith. We don't live yeah. it anymore. Yeah. So just by going onto um, the church calendar, you'll have at least one Sunday to yeah. preach the second coming every year. Yep. Yeah. And the second thing I was thinking was... Um, renewing the practice of Sabbath because I think it's almost impossible to practice Sabbath. <clears throat> Could you press cough the, button. Uh, cough button, the cough button? Yeah. Um, it's almost impossible to practice Sabbath if you're not connected with God's time. Right. And we're living in a culture that obviously doesn't practice Sabbath well. But, y- you know, when when you're sending emails at 3.30 a.m. or you're working... Uh, 80 hours a week, there is something really wrong with our view of what it means to be human. Yeah. And we need to recover this practice of Sabbath um, to recognize that the world is God's and not ours. And we are here to worship him and him alone and not to just be manufacturers of time. Yeah. And of course, uh, Sabbath plays into very much what we're talking about today uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of the first day of the week. Yep. Uh, and how the Sabbath was changed to the first day of the week for Constantine. Um, books on the Sabbath. I mean, A.J. Svoboda has one out there. I can't remember the name of it. Sorry, A.J. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton has one out mm-hmm. there. Uh, a lot of books on the Sabbath yeah, out there. The first yeah. one I thought was Lauren Winner's book. That's a small little book, yeah. Mudhouse Sabbath. But yeah. Um, oh, uh, oh, Eugene Peterson. Uh, has stuff on the Sabbath and Christ plays in 10,000 places. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, folks, uh, how can we orient? Here it is, first week after Easter. Um, how do we live into Easter? How do we live into the fact that God has come into time? He's disrupted and destroyed and been victorious over Satan, death, evil. Um, he He is living and he's ruling from the right hand, bringing in all things to its com- uh, completion. How do we call people to live into God's time and not our own time? I think uh, Moore's going off on the Sabbath. He's going off on the calendar. But I'm thinking about all the people out there who are struggling with various pains, various mm-hmm. struggles. Let's say you're on the verge of losing your job. Are you living in God's time mm-hmm. or are you living in the frenzy of your own time? Can you submit that search for a job to be part of what God's doing to restore the world, including yourself. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that take all the pressure off, but still give each hour like a gravity that God's at work yeah. in this, my job application yeah, or my phone call or my interview. Mm-hmm. Everything becomes God's time as part of the resurrection. That's, yeah. I think, the message from today. That's great. Uh, Mike Moore, um, been good to talk about uh sunday morning yeah and god's time uh great podcast uh, on this first week after easter 
Um, that just about brings things to a close. I can hear the music yeah. coming on now. Yeah, I was going to do a Fitch, first Fitch thing, but uh, get, a load of, get a load of this. Uh-oh. We're out of time. We're out of time. <laughs> We're out of time, little Folks, pun. just a quick uh, commercial. Reggie Williams yes. He's going to be talking at uh, Theology on Mission Lectureship here at Northern Seminary. You don't want to miss it. He's he, uh, If you have never read his book, uh, Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus, you've got to read that. And he'll be talking about social, incarnational embodiment, what the black church can teach the rest of the church about mission. We invite you to uh, make your reservation, get here for that Thursday night, Friday morning, first week of June. Uh, you will not uh, be disappointed. It's going to be great. So until next time, um, next week, hopefully. Yes. Uh, I already know what the podcast is going to be about. But if you've got issues with anything we've said here, come on. Uh, yeah, get, let get us on, know. Let us know. Put, put some comments uh, and give us a review and do whatever else you're supposed to do. Uh, you uh, listeners out there, we certainly enjoy interacting with everybody out there. And until then, therefore, Theology on <laughs> I don't know why I said therefore. Uh, theology on Mission podcast is over and out. Dave Fitch saying goodbye. Mike Moore. Till next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>